this is going to be up for the next three months. Take some time with it. Go there and just take some time with it. A lot of people are intimidated by art. Because they kind of feel like, oh, I, oh, I don't know anything about art. So, I, you know, I don't know what's good. I don't know what's bad. I, that has nothing to do with it. Nothing whatsoever. Just drop the intent. None of those, none of those paintings or, or sculptures, none of those will bite you. And one of them kind of looks like it would, but it, it actually won't. Uh, and just spend some time with it. Because if you'll do that, you'll kind of walk away inspired. You'll kind of walk away feeling more alive than you felt before you begin to look at it. You'll walk away seeing some things that, that you've never seen before. And then secondly, um, I, I mentioned this on Friday night. Some people are a little weirded out but when you sell things in the church. Um, and the, the the art pieces that those who uh, that the artists were willing to sell uh, have prices on them, and some of them I, I have already been bought, but I don't think the uh, I don't think they put soul tags on them. But uh, if there's something that you see that you kind of go, wow, that that moves me, that that really does. Uh, if if you can afford it, and not everybody can, but if you can. Get it. Buy it. Uh, God's not going to be offended. Uh, this, isn't, this isn't a racket. The church doesn't take any of the money. Nobody's being forced to do anything. When Jesus drove the money changers from the temple, they, they, it, he was basically breaking up the, the temple mafia uh, that, that kind of had their thing going on. This is, uh, so God won't be offended if, if you buy it. And believe me, almost every artist I know can use money. So you'd be blessing one of them. Uh, so anyway, those are those are the two things that I want to say, and just you know a big hurrah for those who uh, who worked on this because all I did was was say, hey, what would it take for us to do? And then I stood back and kind of watched, and and it happened. But uh, there were there was a lot of work that went into it. Uh, I think the front of the bulletin does not say Simon Peter from denial to Pentecost. But the inside of the bulletin has a sermon outline, and that's the one that's right. Uh, this is our last Sunday on the Heroes series, so I'm sure that the Apostle Paul is gravely disappointed that, uh, that we bumped him off the schedule and are going to do Peter again. But this is, uh, this is, what, this is what the Lord gave me. Uh, and if he is gravely disappointed, then I'm sure that, uh, that the Lord is saying to him, get over it. Uh, <laughs> Next week uh, begins Advent, a very special season around here. Uh, the four Sundays of Advent. The first Sunday is going to be uh, a sermon on the ghost of Christmas past. The second Sunday will be ghost of Christmas present. The third Sunday will be ghost of Christmas yet to come. And then the fourth Sunday, we're going to have a visit from Joseph Davidson, uh, who's going to come and tell his story. Um, I'll be telling you some more about what's going to be going on during the season next week. But, uh, wow, I wonder what happened to our screen over here. We don't know. Okay. All right, we'll use this one. Most of you are down here anyway. Uh, would you stand with me? And let's read a, a short passage of Scripture from <clears throat> John chapter 1. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look. 
the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the promises that are in it, both the uh, explicit promises and the implicit promises. And Father, I thank you that, that part of that promise is that we're going to be changed. And Lord, I pray that we would be changed today as we hear your word through the power of the Holy Spirit resting on each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we, uh, we were challenged uh, to move from simply praying about our sins to confessing them and dealing with them. I know I was challenged. I don't know if anybody else was, but I, I sure was. And, and to be very honest, it's made a difference in my life this week. It really has. I, I hope it's made a difference in, in some others. The, the biggest obstacle that we have to those, uh, the biggest obstacle that we have to changing and changing in a godly fashion is not the desire to change. Virtually everybody in here would like to change. Virtually everybody in here would like to, to uh, the only ones who wouldn't want to change to be more godly and to be more righteous in the way that they live uh, are those who are just totally in a fog. Everybody else would has the desire to change, but the problem is the faith to believe that we can change because we've, we've tried so many times and, and change has seemed to take root so many times only to be, only to be pulled up. But if you, if you, if you think about the, the parable of the sower and, and Jesus gave that parable there, a lot of seed went out and really only a fourth of it bore fruit. And so we should be aware of the fact that not every time that it looks like this is it. I've got, I've got it. I've got the breakthrough. Not every time is it necessarily going to happen, but it will happen. You just keep throwing lines in the water. You know, one of them will get something that's real in your life. The first thing that we need to realize, understand this, is that, that we are changing and we're in the midst of change all of the time. The only question is which direction? That's the only question. Uh, my dad got sweeter as he got older, which was real cool because, very honestly, I lived with him and he needed a little of that. Uh, but, but he did. He got a lot of it. W- wonderful, wonderful guy. I mean, by the time he was 92, he was just as sweet as he could be. If he had lived to be 100, we couldn't have stood it. <laughs> and, and hopefully that's the direction that I'll go in. Uh, but not everybody who gets old gets sweeter. Some people get old and they get meaner. You know, that's just the way it is. 
Because we're moving and we're changing. It's just a matter of which direction that we're going to go in. The material universe that we live in is constantly changing. We live on the planet Earth and it is rotating at the, at the equator at roughly a thousand miles an hour. I mean, if you were down at the equator, you'd be going a thousand miles an hour. That'd be hard to deal with, right? Of course, we're, fortunately, we're not at the equator, so we're only going several hundred miles an hour uh, where we are in terms of spinning. And spinning and I don't get along very well. Not only that, this, this earth is actually, uh, while it's spinning around at 1,000 miles an hour, it's moving around the sun at 66,600 miles an hour, makes that orbit every year. So we're going 66,600 miles an hour while we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, but it doesn't even end there because we're also part of a solar system that's moving around the Milky Way galaxy at 560,000 miles an hour. So we're going 560,000 miles an hour in that direction, and we're going 66,000 and 600 miles an hour in this direction and we're spinning at a thousand miles an hour at all all at the same time i don't know about you but i'm tired we're in the midst of change and that doesn't even that doesn't even deal with with uh, um, atoms and electrons and and light and time this is an atom just just any atom don't know where eve is uh Come back tonight for Eve. <laughs> I won't be here. Uh, I don't know how I got there. But anyway, uh, you know, I was wondering, how fast does an electron go around an atom? And really, that's not a constant rate. It's a variable rate. But your basic pedestrian kind of meandering along electron is zooming around an atom at 1,367 miles per second which translates into 82,000 miles per minute, which translates into 500 million miles per hour. Uh, you know, your, your basic hydrogen atom has 500, you know, the electrons are going at 566,000, uh, uh, 500 million miles per hour. Think about that the next time you drink water. Take that five-hour energy. And that is less than 1% of the speed of light. Think about that the next time you turn on a flashlight or turn on a light. We are are in the midst of change all the time. And when God revealed himself to Moses as I am that I am, he was telling us that he is the only one that does not change. And that doesn't mean that God is a, is a, a, a stodgy old traditionalist. He's infinite. And so even though he doesn't change, you never get to the end of his creativity and all the different facets and all the different ways that he can do stuff. From the beginning, Simon Peter was destined to change. When he, when he came and met Jesus, Jesus uh, said to him, you're Simon, huh? <laughs> okay. You know, you're going to end up being called Cephas. And... Um, most of you probably know this, but for those who don't, the word Simon means a reed. It's just a, it's a, it's a reed kind of thing, can be blown about by the wind and stuff like that. And, uh, and the word Cephas means a rock. Pretty different things. Jesus looked at him and saw what he was, and, but he also something, saw something very, very different. Uh, and then for those of you who are not familiar with Cephas, because we don't actually call him that, that's the Aramaic 
Uh, the Greek is Peter, and but they both mean they both mean a rock. It says over in John uh, chapter two, verse twenty-five, that Jesus did not need man's testimony about a man. He knew what was in a man. He he could see a man, and he knew what was inside of him. That's exactly. It's exactly what he saw with Simon. He knew that Simon, when he first met him, was was very well named. And his Simon nature uh, is is seen at several points in in his career. Uh, From his great confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, to in the next breath rebuking Jesus. What was he thinking? I mean, seriously, when, when, when you say you are God... And then God says, yes, and I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be crucified and handed over. And you're going, no, you're not. That's a wrong plan. You know. Yeah, he wasn't thinking, because he just confessed him as God, and now he's correcting him. And then obviously, uh, the most drastic, the most dramatic example of his Simon nature was his declaration on the night that Jesus was betrayed. Lord, why can I not go with you? I'm, I would die for you. And then within a few hours, he's denying that he even knows him. So he knew Simon was, was well named at the time, but he knew that Simon could and would change. He also knew that. Let's look at Peter's life for just a moment from the meh line. Uh, those of you who don't know what the word meh means, it means what it sounds like. Uh, how was the date last night? Meh. Yeah. Yeah. How, was, how was the movie? Meh. meh. Yeah. That's, that's what it means. And uh, I was looking up the origins of it this weekend, and uh, some people think that it actually originated on The Simpsons uh, f- from uh, Bart and uh, Lisa. Uh, apparently, a number of years ago, they were asked if they wanted to go somewhere by Homer, and they went, meh, because they were watching television. And, uh, but the truth of the matter is, I actually heard this word close to 20 years ago uh, from, a, uh, from a middle-aged geek um, and so I, I think it's probably older than The Simpsons, but it, it, it's a good word. Sounds like sounds like what it it is what it sounds like. I would also refer to it as the OK line. It's where most of us live our lives. It's the flat line. It's where we're OK. Truth of the matter is, we're not OK. We're just meh. But that's that's where we tend to live. And so let's let's use it as a baseline. We'll say that, that Simon Peter started out meh. And, and let's trace his, his spiritual journey for a little bit here. Um, he met Jesus. That was, that was a pretty good, that's a pretty good bump the day that he met Jesus. I, you know, he didn't, uh, there weren't, uh, he didn't come down to the altar and uh, cry or anything, but he met him. And that's, that's the important thing. And then, there was the day that he responded to the call. Uh, I preached about it a few weeks ago. Jesus came along and said, follow me. And Peter went, I'm, I'm there. And he was. That was, a, that was another bump up the, up the ladder in his life spiritually. And then there was that night that he walked on the water. 
That's got to be, you know, that's got to be a pretty good spiritual high. And then there was that night that he sank from walking on the water. And, you know, and and I know that that we can all kind of look at it and sort of go, well, you know, he he was the only one to get out of the boat. I I did make that point. And anytime you've ever heard it preached, you've probably heard that point made. But you still got to know that when he started going under, he had to feel like, oh, oh, what a failure I am. You ever had a situation where you really felt like the Lord had called you to do something and you're kind of going, hmm, yes, I'm going to do it. And you step out and you begin to do it and then it just kind of goes. Ever had one of those? Doesn't feel very good, does it? Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, I think that's probably where, where Peter was when he got wet. And then, and then the time came, though, when he answered the question, who do men say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Oh, you are right. You're the only one who got it right. And you, and you didn't get it from your own wisdom. My father revealed it to you. Hey, guys, father revealed something to me. I, I just heard from God. And, of course, we pointed it out just, just a few minutes ago. Not only have I heard from God, I'm now going to rebuke God for his crazy idea of going back to Jerusalem and, and being handed over to the Gentiles. And so that's kind of a little eh, little dip in the water there. But then Peter gets called up with James and John, and they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they see Jesus glorified. And his, his clothes are made whiter than any, than any white could possibly be. And his face is radiant. And they see Moses and they see Elijah. And wow, there's only three of them. That's, that's a high. That's a spiritual high. And then Peter's the only one on the mountain to say something stupid, uh, which, which is kind of his MO and things. You know, he's kind of going, Lord, let's just stay here. Let's build a, let's, we'll build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and, and we'll be here with you. We'll eat manna or something. I don't care. Yeah. Never mind the fact that there's all these hurting people down there. Never mind the fact that you've got to go to Jerusalem and, and do this being handed over to the, to the Gentiles thing. Never mind all the stuff that you've taught us. Let's just mm, clump. A little bit of a dip there. But then comes the uh, the night of the Lord's Supper, and you know Peter Peter had to be feeling his stuff. You know Jesus had had washed his feet. I mean Peter Peter was feeling very Peterish that night. Jesus had started washing the disciples' feet, and he comes to Peter, and Peter goes, "Never, Lord, you'll never wash my feet." And Jesus says, "Well, unless." I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Oh, Lord, then wash my head, wash my hands, wash it all. You know, Jesus, uh, uh, hold on, big guy. Hold on. You know, uh, you're clean already. I just need to wash your feet, okay? So, you know, Peter's, and, and when, when Jesus announces that one of them's going to betray him, I mean, you know, Peter's the one who leans over to John and goes, ask him who it is. I got to know who it is, man. I'm just dying. Uh, I mean, he's, he's got it. He's got it going on. And then uh, when Jesus says that he's going away and they can't follow him, you know, Peter makes that declaration, Lord, I will die with you. I'll follow you anywhere. 
And then, of course, you know, it didn't take but a few hours before he's denying that he even knows him. Because he's being confronted about, do you know Jesus? No, 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 not me. Not me. Any of us ever done that? Probably not verbally. But you get in the right social situation and you begin to send a lot of nonverbal signals that, oh, I'm not one of his followers. So Peter's got another little dive going on here. And then comes the day of Pentecost. And on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost comes and Peter is full of power and he stands and he, and he preaches to thousands of people and 3,000 people get saved in one day. They're added to the church. And he's, and he's standing up in front of all Jerusalem. He's going, you, you crucified Jesus. But God raised him from the dead. And now salvation is being proclaimed in his name. I mean, yeah. And you'd think that from then on, Peter's got it made, right? He has had the breakthrough. It's Katie bar the door from now on. But the truth of the matter is he had at least one other little slip up uh, because Paul tells us over in the book of Galatians that when he came to Antioch, he uh, was ministering to the Gentiles and he was preaching and things were going great. And then some guys from uh, some of James's guys came to Antioch and they were they were sort of hardliners. They were kind of like, yeah, they weren't sure about this Gentile thing here. You know, they weren't too sure about, you know, well, I'm not going to go places I could go with that. Uh and Peter began to withdraw from the Gentiles and begin to treat them in a different fashion. And Paul just got in his face. Now, you know, Paul, uh, <laughs> I'm sure Paul was a great guy. I don't know that I would want him, you know, be hanging around me too much because God said things to him and he would tell them to you. <laughs> he just would get right straight with you. He got right straight with Peter. Then later on, toward the end of Peter's life, uh, he actually reached the place where he was willing to be martyred for the cause of Christ, willing to be crucified. Uh, and according to the, the legend, crucified upside down because he felt like he wasn't worthy to, <clears throat> to die in the manner that his Lord had died. A couple of things I want you to notice about this. One of the things is that the direction of change is not constant. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And the reason I want you to notice that is we tend to believe that it's always got to be up. And while that would be nice, the only way you can manage that is to fake it. It just is. The idea of perfection is a trap that many believers fall into. Uh, I know that the scripture says, be perfect even as I am perfect. But at the same time, the scripture has a cure for perfectionism. It, it doesn't say be a perfectionist because I'm a perfectionist. The, the scripture has a cure for perfectionism. And that cure is called humility. Humility is a right, is a fruit of the Spirit, and it's a right understanding of who we are. And, it, and it's an understanding that we're not going to bat a thousand every day. 
Because if we don't understand that, then the day that we go out and we whiff and we don't bat a thousand, one of two things, one of several things is going to happen. First of all, the enemy's going to come against you and kind of go, well, <laughs> you thought it worked, didn't you? Well, obviously it doesn't because you messed up today. Where was, where was the Holy Spirit now, huh? And, and we begin to get under that. And like I say, we can do one of two things with it. We, well, we can do one of three things with it. Uh, the first two are bad. The third one's right. One of the things that we can do with it is we can have a tendency to secretly be in agreement with what is being said, but outwardly we're faking it. And that happens a lot. We all, we all do that from time to time. Second thing that can happen with it is we can just throw it in. We can just kind of go... <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I just can't do it. And in fact, I, since I can't do it, I'm not going to do it. We turn our back and walk away from the faith. And the third thing we can do is we can go, yeah, man, I bl- uh, yeah, I blew that today. I really feel bad about that. Let's see, what is that? Oh, confession, repentance. Yeah, that's what I do. And then we just keep on walking. Back in the in the seventies, there was a group called Dogwood up in Nashville, and my favorite song that they had was a song that uh, the chorus said, "You don't know how far you've come. Keep on walking. For all you know, it may be done, and the Father might be standing up right now to give the call and end it all. Keep on walking. You just keep on walking." Second thing that I want you to notice about this is that. Uh, the whole the baptism of the Holy Spirit made a difference in Peter's life, uh, and that's kind of a really <laughs> that that's a, that that's a, a gross understatement. Um, you know, I could have put a bunch of other things on here, most all of them. You know, like raising Dorcas from the dead and and healing the man at the gate called Beautiful and and the miraculous escape from prison. I mean, there there was just a bunch of other things that happened in Peter's life that were just up, 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 up. Once the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, now here's it, it, here's the issue when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know, some people kind of go, "What are you talking about?" A lot of people go, "What are you talking about?" Now, I'm, I'm saved. I have the Holy Spirit. Yes, you do. But you need to understand that there is an endowment of power from on high that comes to those who go, you know what? I want some more. I'm not just satisfied with, you know, having my fire insurance and filing it away and, and kind of, you know, getting along kind of, I want some more. And when, and when we come to God with that, he's got more. In fact, he's always got more. Now, uh, you know, when it comes to the theology of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I'm not going to go there today because I don't have time to go there today, uh, but, but the truth of the matter is we, we have a tendency to think that it's, it, it's kind of this sort of one-time event. I've got that one. Now I've got another merit badge to sew on my, on my little sash here, on my Christian sash to wear around. So I got my salvation badge. I got my Holy, Holy Ghost baptized badge. And, I, and I've got my read the Bible through in a year badge. What more? That's the Trinity, right? <laughs> you know, what, what more do I need? But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an ongoing 
experience. There, there, there is that initial breakthrough experience, but it is an ongoing thing. That is the, the fullness of the Spirit is something that, that is, can be manifested in us on a daily basis. And as believers, really all we need to do is understand that it's there and then want it. Want it. Go after it. Made a, made a huge difference in Peter's life. Now, very quickly, let me, let me touch on two things. In the world, just in regular life, the meh line or the, the baseline that, that we live on is not level. It trends downward. Scripture says over in 2 Peter 1.4, it's talking about God's promises. It talks, it talks about God's glory and says, Through these he's given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And in fact, one translation says the inevitable corruption in the world. And by corruption, it's not talking about people taking bribes at the border. It's talking about things rotting. It's talking about, it's talking about things rusting. It's talking about things will not keep there. If you just let it go, it's going to go this way. And so we see it played out. We see it played out in, in nations. Uh, which empire has endured? You know, Egypt, Greece, Persia, Rome. I mean, who trembles at the thought of the Roman legions today? And the truth of the matter is, we we get stuck in these little time frames, and we think, well, America's going to be out there now. No. Every single earthly kingdom, it trends downward. I mean, they may have a little, you know, bump where they kind of make some noise and it's kind of like, ooh, they're the big power now. But the time's coming when it's, mm, that's just the inevitableness in the world. And we see it, we, 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 we see it playing out in our natural lives. We, you know, we can die young or we can die diminished. We will die. <laughs> of course, some of us, keep it going for a while uh went to my uh my granddaughter's third birthday party yesterday over at the jumpy place and uh raced in the obstacle course with scott asher beat him and i know scott weighs a little more than i do but i i mean he's 25 years younger than me But you know what? Uh, aside from the kids, he was the only one there I could beat. <laughs> Used to, I would have eaten them all for lunch. But we see it. That's, that's the way that goes. But in the, the good news is, in the kingdom, it's just the opposite. It trends upwards. There may be, a, you know, there may be some days of this. You know, and they may all happen in the same day. But it trends upwards. We, we, have, we have God's promise for that. That's, that's, the, that's the way that it goes. Over in, uh, oh, uh, hold on, I, uh, I'd, I'd already jumped. Up. Oh, that, no, that's, that's the one I wanted. Yeah, oh, no, come on back here now. 
That's the one I want. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and goodness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and, and his own goodness. We, we see this in, in the kingdom of God that's endured and thrived and, uh, for centuries and ultimately will cover the earth. The, the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as, as the waters cover the sea. And Nebuchadnezzar's uh, dream that Daniel uh, translated for him, interpreted for him. Uh, you know, he had, he had the statue that represented all the kingdoms, but ultimately there was a, a, a stone cut out of a mountain, not by human hands, and it, it crushed the, all of those. They, they turned to find dust, and then it grew and covered the entire earth. And that's exactly what the kingdom of God is doing. Um, we see this in our own individual lives as well. When a saint who has faithfully walked with the Lord nears the end, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing as the expectancy grows within them. Paul said it this way, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. When my dad went home to be with the Lord, you know, he's my dad, okay? There's a a missing part there, and and I loved him, but it just, I'm, I'm sorry, it was not sad. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. I mean, I have seen him live his whole life for this. And to finally get there, Hey, I fought a good fight, finished the race, kept the faith. You know, I was only kind of halfway joking about being tired about because the earth's spinning at a thousand miles an hour, going around the sun at 66,000, moving through the universe at 560,000 or whatever it was. I was only kind of halfway joking, but I am tired more so than I used to be. And I suspect, I don't know, you know, another 30 years or so when I'm finally ready to, uh, resign. <laughs> uh, sorry, next generation. No, uh, it, it might be a little sooner than that. But I mean, I, I, I suspect if, if, things, if things go over the next 30 years like they have over the last 30 years, I might be tireder then than I am now. But you know what? There's also this sense of expectancy that's beginning to build in me that didn't used to be there. Quite frankly, when I was 20, when I was 30, I was thinking, the Lord's going to come back today. I'm never going to die. Yes, it's our generation. And maybe he will. And, and maybe, maybe that is our generation. But you know what? The older I get, the more I'm kind of thinking, you know what? The Lord may come back today, but, but even if he doesn't, one of these days, I'm going home to be with him. And I'm kind of wondering what, what it looks like over there on the other side. You know, I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of wondering what it feels like to take that ride. Kind of wondering a little bit about, hey, this, 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 uh, this is actually something to anticipate one of these days. <laughs> and so when, when a saint dies, we, we hold a celebration. Unbelievers may say, ah, you know, they're just dead. They're not now. How do they know? How do they know? Which, which one of them has ever gone to the grave and come back and went, ah, nothing there? You know, the ones that have tend to come back and go, yeah, I saw something. 
one way or the other. And just let me throw some verses out here really quick. Over in Romans 8, 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Because guess what? The line is on its way up. When we're in the kingdom. And then over in, in Romans 8.29. We know 8.28 says that in everything God works for the good of those who love him. And are called according to his purpose. But in 29 it says for those God foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers. He's going to make us like Jesus. That's, that's where the line is headed. And then over in 1 John 3, 2, it says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I mean, there are testimonies to this all over the scripture. And and, and one final one over in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness. With ever-increasing glory, who comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so, it's, you know, you hit a bad day. Yeah, you might not look as much like Jesus at 4 o'clock Monday afternoon as you look like him at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. But the line's going up. The line's moving up. And that's the important thing, because when you, get to the, when you get to the end of it, when you get to infinity, all those differences that look so big right now are going to look like that. It's just going to be this flat, beautiful line for those who choose to move in that direction. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to minister to people in prayer, come forward today. And if you're here and you got something you need to pray about, you come. You come. Uh, Believer or unbeliever. You might be an unbeliever and you might be, well, I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus yet. You got any problems? Come pray about them. Let's give him a chance to prove himself to you. Seriously. Because he will. I mean, would you like some help? If you're a believer, you already know this. Uh, I'm telling you, last last week rocked my world. And and it's one of the best weeks I've had in a long time. Because it just kind of made me go, whoa, wait a minute. You're the preacher. You're not supposed to be. Yeah, I needed some of that. And so I I took some of that. And uh, it's been good. You need to change in that direction rather than that. You come. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. Uh, Whatever you need from God.